All human thought is science. All religion is the holding of a candle to the highest power Are we here because we gaze at the stars? Or do we gaze at the cosmic here? Pointless. When the stars were right, they could plunge from the world to the world to the sky. When the stars were wrong, they could not live. But although they no longer lived, they would never really die. When the universe is vast and inexplicable, and you are weak and insignificant, then you know you are playing Call of Cthulhu. This is an actual play of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, featuring adult themes and horror. Listener discretion is advised. Find our published scenarios at starsarewrite.com or contact us for help unleashing your own twisted tales upon an unsuspecting world. And now, settle in, dear listener. Intrigue, high adventure, and cosmic horror await when the stars are right. Hello and welcome back listeners to the conclusion of this solo adventure. Please stick around at the end for some fun banter and chit chat. Sleep presses down on you. You blink it back and sit up trying to think through your situation. Everything in Emberhead seems to be working to stop you leaving. Perhaps the answer is to strike out at first light to walk as far and as fast as you can. You can always return for your possessions and if you lose them you have nothing so precious that it couldn't be replaced. A tiny creak draws your attention to the other side of the room. Slowly, almost silently, the doorknob is turning. Would you like to grab it and wrench the door open? Or would you like to pretend to be asleep? Ooh. I'm going to pretend to be asleep and hopefully jump up and grab whoever it is who's coming in and take them by surprise. And we're turning to 254. You slide onto the bed and lie on your side, eyes closed. The hinges creak as the door opens. There's a long pause. A footfall sounds inside the room, then another. The steps are careful and feminine. You give it a moment, then open one eye a crack. May crouches with her back to you. She's fiddling with something in the fireplace. Would you like to confront May or wait and see what happens? Ooh. Clearly she's up to no good, but I'm going to wait and see what happens and then jump on her from behind, hopefully, if I get that opportunity. After another few moments, May glances round at you. Then you hear the soft scratch of a match being lit. She applies it to something in the grate and tiptoes from the room. Once you hear her bedroom door, you creep to the grate. A small mound of black powder, no bigger than a thimble, is burning there. It gives off heady fumes. You, you may make a hard science botany roll. Do you, do you have any science botany? <laughs> I do not have any science botany. <laughs> you're not you're not the botanist PI. <laughs> Sadly not. Gonna give it a go anyway? Oh, I might as well. You're, you're due a zero one, right? I, I am, absolutely. I've had that many fails so far. Okay, let's see what I got. <sighs> 
78. Oh, <laughs> cursed. This whole scenario is cursed and I'm not playing anymore. I'm taking my dice of going home. <laughs> I okay. am. Uh, so you extinguish the powder and go to, uh, and you have the choice now of going to sleep or staying awake through the night, or you may relax and breathe the fumes out of curiosity. <laughs> Does anybody take that? Do they? I really I'm hope clearly, some people do. I'm clearly not going to do that, but I would really love it if you could note whatever number that is, and then at the end. Let's go and have a look and see if you do the clearly stupid thing, what happens. Okay, well, it's it's make a note, it's 26 if you want to huff the fire fumes. 26. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, otherwise, 26. It's, uh, go We're to sleep or this. try and stay awake. Okay. Ooh, um, staying awake, presumably, it also involves putting the fire out. It doesn't expressly say that, but you'd have to assume so. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to just let the weird person set something on fire and then, like, stay up there. Um, hmm. I'm going to stay awake through the night and yeah. hope that it, it means also turning up the fire. <laughs> Otherwise you're about to have a weird trip. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. 52. You stare out the window and watch as the sun reaches the horizon, bathing the village in sickly orange. It's been a long night and you feel stiff and irritable. You rub your eyes. A few minutes later, you hear May bustling in the kitchen. Then the front door opens and closes. Make a con roll. If you fail, your skill rolls today will suffer a penalty. So you'll be rolling your tens die twice and taking the, uh, well, it says the higher result. Yes, that's right, because that's worse. It doesn't apply to luck, sanity, or damage. So, what's your con and make a roll? Right, well, my con is actually my best stat. That's a con of 80. So, come on, dice, come on. please. Come on, no more 80s and 70s. <sighs> 74 again. This oh, is clearly... Oh, uh, yeah? No? Oh, yes, yes, con 80. So that is a narrow pass, but a pass indeed. Okay, so no penalty dies for you. You Hooray. shrug off your lack of sleep, and we go to 64. The lead better kitchen is empty, although bread and eggs have been laid out for your breakfast. There's a note from May explaining that she's taken Ruth out for a few hours. Uh, <laughs> if you were involved in a fight in the village last night, <laughs> go to 70, otherwise go to 78. It makes me wonder what we could have ended up with. Though. Absolutely. Okay, so 78. You make a quiet circuit of the village, pausing in unobtrusive places to watch the villagers. It's rather busy for this time in the morning. Yawning locals stream back and forward along the roads, carrying bundles of split logs to the site of what you've heard referred to as the beacon. You see two figures already up in its superstructure arranging the wood. The festival bonfire will be most impressive, but do you intend to stay to see it? You suspect by now that something is amiss here. While the villagers are distracted, you may do some illicit investigation, or you may simply leave town without looking back. So I'm going to paste your options here. You've got lots of options, Lydia. Okay. Well, hey. You may search May Ledbetter's bedroom, go alone to the village hall, and presumably read a different book, <laughs> <laughs> take a closer look at the artisan's courtyard, 
spy on the activity at the beacon or slip down to the east road and flee for good. Well, he's a really bad private investigator if only now he's realising that there is something amiss here. I'm going to look in May's bedroom Okay. find out what that weirdy powder was that she was presumably trying to poison me or something with. So, you have opted to examine May Ledbetter's bedroom. Despite her hospitality, you do not trust May Ledbetter. You return to her house quite openly. Where else would you go? Inside, the dwelling is still empty. You rap on the bedroom door and wait. Silence. You ease it open. The Ledbetter bedroom is in marked contrast to your own neat space. Dirty clothes are piled about the floor. On a rough quilt lie school books and cheap novels. You notice a raggedy old doll discarded down the side of the bed. Make a spot hidden roll. Okay, here we go. We're looking for 40. <sighs> oh dear. 93. <laughs> this is just not even... <laughs> this is not even funny anymore. Oh, oh Lydia. Okay, if you fail, go to 89. You go through the Ledbetter's drawers. The only item of interest you find is a wedding photograph. May's husband has a, uh, was a wiry man with a square chin. Despite the formality of the pose, you can see the affection between them. You feel a pang of guilt at your intrusion. Also, May might return at any time. If you wish to push the spot-hidden roll, make the roll again. If you would rather not risk it, we can go to 120 instead. Shall I push? Hmm. Well, I I think things have kicked up a gear. Clearly, there's something very dodgy here, and it's only a matter of time before my snooping gets discovered anyway, so I'm going to push it. Okay, roll again. Okay. I passed! 31! Yay! Yay! Good work. Hey! Okay. You notice scrapes on the floorboards corresponding to the legs of the bed. With effort, you slide the bed away. There's a rug spread beneath it, and beneath the rug, a trapdoor. You ease it open. The dark space beneath is some kind of cellar. Would you like to descend into the cellar, or would you rather give this up? <laughs> I absolutely would like to descend into the cellar. Nothing bad has ever happened in Call of Cthulhu from going into the cellar underneath the trapdoor. Cellars are always great. Yeah. Okay, 114. The daylight barely offers enough illumination to see, but a hot lantern during daytime would be very suspicious. You squeeze beneath the floor and glance around. Your first impression is that May keeps her junk here, for there are many boxes of different sizes piled in untidy heaps. It takes a few seconds before you realise they are all travelling trunks or suitcases. There are about 20 of them. The implication hits you hard, yet you maintain enough control to check the luggage tags. You count eight or nine different names before you stop. Scrambling back up to the bedroom, you close the trapdoor with trembling fingers, returning the bed to its place. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 120. 
You feel a deepening unease about Emberhead and this day in particular. So we're back to a sort of 25-style situation where you've got a number of choices, um, and until you've tried three of them, um, you can keep trying them, basically. So we've done one. You've searched May Ledbetter's bedroom. So your mm-hmm. other options, and I'll paste them for you again, are you can go alone to the village hall, you can take a closer look at the artisan's courtyard, you can spy on the activity at the beacon, or you can slip down the east road and flee. The sensible thing would be to flee, wouldn't it? Yes. Although we come to that thing where do you do the the thing which you probably should do, or do you do something obviously wrong, but it will make a better story? <laughs> well, this is your solo adventure, Lydia. It is. Right, I'm going to go alone to the village hall. Oh, okay. 126. As I'm thinking, it's a private investigator and just finding the luggage of previous guests is not as damning as it probably needs to be in terms of bringing these people to justice because they're clearly killing everyone who comes to the village. So you're looking for a smoking gun? Yeah. Okay, so 126. Keeping away from the streets, you skirt the northern cliffs and approach the village hall from the rear. It's close to the beacon, and you will not be able to use the door unobserved. You check the windows. The one on the east side, facing the beacon, is bricked up. A shutter is loose on the westernmost window, and you're able to ease it open and slide inside, closing the shutter behind you. You drop into the village meeting room and pad through, passing through dim shafts of light, and listening to the excited chatter of the locals from from outside. The door opposite reads private. Hearing nothing from the other side, you turn the handle. The room is lined with books. In the corner is a small water closet and pantry. A quick survey of the rest of the room reveals little, so you turn to the bookcase. The dim light makes it difficult to read the spines. Is there anything useful here? So make a spot hidden roll. And if you've examined this bookshelf before, which you have, you may have a bonus die. Hooray! I might actually pass something again. All right. So I'm guessing I'm looking specifically for things about the festival. And even with a bonus die, I got 75. Oh, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, then we're going to 140. Tucked between two books, you find a detailed map of the area around Emberhead. It shows woodland, contours, and the two roads east and west. Although no other settlements are marked, this may prove useful if you do decide to leave today. The clatter of activity around the beacon seems to be building, and you flinch at every conversation that gets too close to the building's doors. It feels the right time to retrace your steps, slipping away through the window. So we're back at 120 and uh, your choices that you have left. So you can take one more option, I believe, before you have to move on. Okay. You can take a closer look at the artisan's courtyard, you can spy on the beacon, or you can slip down the east road and flee for good. I think it has to be either the beacon or flee. But I didn't find anything in the town hall, so I think spying at the beacon is probably thing he'd do. Okay. 29. 
The northern side of the village is bustling, and you're unlikely to remain hidden there for long. You head in the direction of the church, and then move up the east side behind the houses. A drop looms to your right. One particular section of ground is quite narrow, and you have to hug the building for support. You may give this approach up and go to page 120, or to proceed, compare your size to your dex. If your dex is higher, go to 42. If your size is higher, make a natural world roll. <laughs> that seems a little obtuse. Um, <laughs> they're quick. actually exactly the same. They're both 60. Ah. Yeah. And well, I... I have no natural world. So I guess it depends how sadistic you're feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. Dex, Dex is the same. I think we can go to... To 42 yeah, in that case? I reckon. Okay. The turf sinks beneath your feet and stones crumble from its edge. Alarmed, you grip the building and ease yourself forward. Finally, you have a good spot to watch the beacon. You lie concealed in the grass and watch the activity around the beacon. Villagers bring in yet more bundles of tinder and stack them in neat bundles. Another shift passes the bundles up to a pair of men standing on the raised platform of the beacon. They're constructing a triangular structure resembling a gigantic campfire. As you watch, you're struck by the manner of the labourers. This is their festival. You would expect a cheerful atmosphere and some light-hearted conversation. Yet the faces of some show resignation and detachment, others a naked dread. You watch for a good half hour before you slip away. And we're back at 120 again. So once you've attempted three of the options which you have, we're to go to 98, I'm afraid. You're contemplating your next move when you see one villager, a bald man with a damaged ear, watching you intently. Some instinct makes you walk in the other direction. Then you see the others ahead, and to your sides, a wary teenager, an evil-eyed matron, and a man hefting a club. They are not staring as obviously as the first, but they keep you under watch, and they're closing in. You cannot hope to overcome four of them at once. Would you like to try and lose them amongst the buildings, or would you like to run? Ooh. I think... I've got a con of 80 and a dex of 60. I think running is probably a good option here. I'm going to remind you, you failed to outrun a limping old man with a cheesecloth on his head. <laughs> I did, didn't I? Yeah. But, okay. I really did. 164 for the running. These people know their village better than you. You pick the biggest gap between them and sprint into it. They give chase. You find yourself heading for the southern road. As you approach, you see four villagers stationed in the middle of the road, clearly guards. You veer off towards the half-ruined church, already breathing hard. You slip inside the building through a broken window and duck under the elderly boards which slash the interior, making for the door on the other side. The door's quite intact, mouldy and locked. Two of your pursuers climb into the church through the window. The other two enter by the main door. Give it up! One thumps his club into his palm. It'll go better for you if you don't resist. They close in. You're getting low on options. Would you like to give yourself up? Or do you want to try to collapse a section of roof on them? Well, I, I don't know about you, Noxicals, but 
one of my whole <laughs> philosophies of life is if you ever get the chance to collapse a section of roof on a cultist, <laughs> take that opportunity. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's a long-standing, uh, long-standing dream. It it's is. On the bucket it's list. just one of these rules I live by. Okay. Even as you spin around and look for a weak point, you know this plan is deranged. Less than two <laughs> days ago, <laughs> you were taking <laughs> you were taking a coach ride to a new job, and now you're trying to demolish a church while still inside it. I mean, when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what have I done? <laughs> Under one section of partially collapsed roof, you see a wooden pillar which is already bowed. You snatch up a piece of broken ironwork. Make a hard strength roll and let me know if you succeed. Okay, well, my boy is Hench. He's got strength 70. Come on, so, so under let's 35. Give it a go. Come on, collapse the church. 24! Yes, that's a hard success! He's a big, big boy. Okay, 189. You smash the pillar at its most distorted point. You hear a crack, so you draw back your weapon and smash it again. The pillar buckles and snaps. Thunder sounds above your head. You have a frozen moment of satisfaction as your pursuers look up in synchronised, wide-eyed horror. Then the ceiling falls in. Make a luck roll. Ceiling falls, everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I am currently on 59. <gasps> 23, the tide has turned. Oh, I might actually live through this. Well. Okay, so 204 for succeeding. As you hoped, the body of the roof tips towards your assailants. It crashes to the ground, hiding them from view. Dust clouds billow in the air around you. You cannot see exactly what has happened, but you can hear a wail of agony. More than one, in fact. The collapse has opened a break between the stones. With delicate steps, you squeeze out of the church building. Villagers run towards the church from all directions. You crawl through the gravestones, keeping low in the overgrown grass. You head for the road. The sentries have joined the crowd at the church, and you're able to slip away down the eastern road. Go to 152. Okay. The sun is low in the sky as you head east from the village, making for the safety of the woods. The beacon breaks the horizon, imposing in silhouette. You maintain as fast a pace as you can until you reach the refuge of the tree line, and you allow yourself to step off the road and take a breather. Almost two hours later, the sun sets. The darkness of the woods might be frightening, but your escape from Emberhead has given you new resolve. You strike on into the night. Not long afterwards, you hear hooves approaching fast, two sets. Your heart lifts, but they're coming from behind you. Make a stealth roll. I don't want to be killed by cultist ponies. That would just be too sad. Violent village horses. Yeah. Okay, so I have no stealth apart from 20% base. And it's a 98. <laughs> back of to the course extreme. it is. Oh dear. My okay, luck so has run out. If you fail, we go to 216. You press yourself against the biggest trunk you can find. Two horses draw near, their riders holding up lanterns. Branches cast a maze of shifting shadows across you as they pass. To your dismay, one rider pulls his horse up short. Look! There! He stabs a finger towards you. To flee into the woods, go to 229. To fight the riders, 
go to 235. Fight or flight? Well, mm, there's two of them and one of me, and I don't have any weapons because I didn't buy the knife in the shop. So I'm going to leg it. Okay, then we're going to 229. Leaves slap at your face as you flee through the murk. The lanterns come after you, swinging between the trunks, but you are unencumbered and desperate, and you outdistance them with no trouble. Eventually, you watch them disappear into another section of the woods. You hear faint curses on the air, and then they are gone for good. You emerge onto a hilltop and take a moment to check your bearings. As you look at the village several miles away now, you see the beacon ablaze, an orange glow that lights up the sky and the surrounding woodland. Smoke billows towards the heavens, where the stars form a twinkling canopy against the midnight blue of eternity. You watch the scene for a few minutes, then turn away to continue your journey. For a moment, you're left with a strange impression. You thought that as you turned, one of the stars above the village moved. But that would be madness. Congratulations! You have survived <gasps> this adventure! Oh! There you go. You get to keep your investigator Yay. sheet to use in another scenario. I That's lived. your prize. And you can, you can uh, try and improve your skills. Okay. Congratulations, Lydia. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> I totally did not expect to live through that, the way the dice were going. No, and also, <laughs> you were like, uh, maybe I'll just poke into some more stuff. Maybe I'll just watch the people setting the fires. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... You've got to play for the story, right? Because yeah, yeah, of course. Y you could just run away, but then there'd be no story. Mm, I guess not. How did you find it overall? I liked it. I really liked it. Um, I, I think the atmosphere was good. I think the pacing was good. The way that it, it does build this kind of sense of claustrophobia, as I said. And it's, I think we all know that something's going to be very wrong with this village and it's probably going to involve a cult because dodgy villages always do. So even though you kind of, you knew what was coming in a way, I think it, it did a really good job of, of building up that sense of isolation and being trapped and yeah. um, the sense of time running down as well. Cause it said, if the, the festival is the day after tomorrow, then you know that, there's an end point one way or another. Yeah. I quite liked the, um, there was a lot of sort of references to fire and, yes. you know, and sort of the colours of fire, you know, sunsets mm. and the sun's a burning orb and there's fireplaces and, you know, hot yeah, lanterns definitely. and what have you. So it's a definite sort yeah. of theme. Absolutely. Um, are we, we should go back and work out what that ride thing was about, right? Yes, let's. 26, I remember, 26. 26. Okay. So why did it ask you to make a ride roll <laughs> while you were by a church? It's random, isn't it? I'm wondering if, okay, so you drift awake in the morning light. The sun is already high, but you do not feel well rested. You find yourself preoccupied with little details of the room, the wood grain of the door jam or a chipped handle on the wardrobe. As you swing out of bed, your stomach gives a lurch and you lean too far over, nearly tumbling to the floor. You blink for a moment. Perhaps you have an illness coming on. You get carefully to your feet. The air, is, the, the air in the room is heavy and fragrant. You stare out of the window until you feel steady enough to leave. Oh, oh actually, that's, no, the, that's, that's the huffing the stuff. That's the it? dodgy incense, isn't uh, it? Yes. Ah, no. So what was the you, right thing? 
Oh, we'll, we we'll have to look it up right. in a second. If you'd huffed the incense from the fire on purpose, um, <laughs> as you, you would, would, you'd be making all of your skull rolls with a penalty. <laughs> Do you know that's nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be? I thought that was possibly an insta kill or some kind of you. You've been poisoned and you're going to die by the end of the day. Yeah. So you'll either get killed on the beacon because clearly that's what it's building towards, or you'll die of some kind of incense thing. Maybe she was trying to poison you to save you because it would be a worse death to die from fire than it would to, to die of weirdy incense. Yeah. That's okay, my headcanon anyway. Let's try and work out where we are. Okay, so actually it's not the right roll was forty six. Okay. Okay. Ah, okay. So the interior smells of earth and decay but you catch an additional distinctive whiff about the place, the scent of horses. You search around mm. and in a dark corner find both the remnant of a hoof mark and some dried droppings. This ruined church was used as a stable and quite recently. Where are the horses now? That's so basically, weird. Well, it's basically the ride skill as a way yeah. of knowing the smell of horse poop. It's a, it's like, yeah. It's a, it's a slightly I mean, weird surely Surely it should be spot hidden. Yeah. Because that's just common sense, really, isn't it? You know, if you can see or track even. Trying to sneak in more skills, I guess. Yeah, so. could be. I think it did a really good job, actually. If, if this is kind of aimed at people who are new to Call of Cthulhu and yeah. it's kind of aimed at quick start rules, it really did do a good job of introducing a lot of the different mechanics. Um, so this would definitely whet my appetite for more if I was a, a new player. I liked the whole thing of building the character sheet as you went. Like, to be able yeah. to start something like this without needing to know anything. Definitely. Quite cool. And it says, you know, oh, you should read the quick start rules. Mm. In reality, I don't think you would need, you know, no. other than knowing what D100 meant, which it explains to you. Absolutely. Why would you even need any rules for this? It tells you yeah. what a success is and what a fail is. Yeah. It's, I, it's a very I good intro, was... I think. Definitely. I think it was really accessible. I used to love, when I was a child, the Choose Your Own Adventure books, and then I, I moved on to the Fighting Fantasy game books, which I also loved. And I don't think that the mechanics in this are any less difficult to just pick up and, and play. I, I would actually really love to hear from somebody who this was their introduction to Call of Cthulhu, and they didn't know uh, about the mechanics at all. And I, I'd really yeah. like to hear from somebody who who had no idea about how the skill rolls work or maybe had no experience in tabletop gaming at all and yeah. see how they found it. I've always felt as though, for people who haven't played role-playing games, actually Call of Cthulhu's D100 system is, is relatively intuitive, right? But the yes, whole, you I know, think this so. This is how good you are at a thing. You roll a thing. Mm. And, you know, you can argue yeah. about whether there are too many skills and whether some of the skills are a bit too similar to other ones and what have you. But the basic premise is is pretty solid. Whereas I think yeah. people who are used to other games, you know, D&D 5th edition and what have you, sometimes find mm. the disconnect between skills and stats and what have you Definitely. a bit weird. Definitely. So it, it's, a, it's a good first game in lots of ways, um, I think. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, I, I've said it a few times now is that I always 
will prefer story and character arcs over crunch. Uh, That's just my preference. I know different people like different things, but that's one of the things I really do love about Call of Cthulhu is that to me, it does, it only rarely feels like the mechanics get in the way of the story and the character arcs. Um, Chase rules being one of them. But (laughs) I think in all my time playing Call of Cthulhu, I've only ever had somebody try to do the chase rules as written once. Yeah. I think it's it's a weird base seventh edition in lots of ways. I mean, I I started, you know, back in the nineties. And the core basis of Call of Cthulhu has barely changed in that time. You know, the exact skill list has changed. Um and you know, they have sort of crunchified a few things here and there, but largely I feel as though the sort of the new crunchy things in seventh edition are in support of the story. I really like the mm. pushed roll thing. Yes, um, I do. You know, as as a as a good way of of encouraging story, but also giving you less chance to have a dice roll. Um, you know, hold up a story. I quite like yeah. the spending of luck. You know, yeah, and we've definitely. seen that in Children of Fear, right? Where we've chosen the short term gain and felt the long term pain. <laughs> of, yeah, of absolutely. Leading away our reserves of luck. So it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's it's a funny beast in some ways, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not one of the uh, one of the complainy crowd when it comes to seventh edition. I think broadly the changes made no, it better. No, I like it. it it's yeah. definitely my favourite system um, in terms of systems which do use roles and as opposed to sort of negotiated moves. Yeah. Oh, it makes me want to read through this myself, actually, because I've never read this. I've never done this at all. So reading this to you cold was my first time. Uh-huh. Um, and it me really too, makes me, actually. yeah, it really makes me want to do it again and follow some of the routes you didn't take. Yes, um, it, it does know. seem like there's a lot of replayability. Yeah, I like the little sort of hints, like if you had a fight last night or if you made a prior appointment. It's like how the hell would we have done that? Yes, <laughs> that's a really good little hook, isn't it, to make yeah. you want to play it again? And as you say, it's hints, isn't it? It's because um, something that I, I seem to remember from the the old fighting fantasy things, it's like if you have a key to unlock this door, go to paragraph whatever, and it sort of it almost encouraged you to cheat. But yeah. with this, I think you don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. If you had a fight last night, um, what was the other one? If you have an appointment to keep, yeah. Now is a good time to follow be, up on that, it. That said. could be a really good or a really bad thing that's just happened to you. Yeah. I really wish you'd been able to sneak in and talk to Ruth. Mm, so it would have been yeah. fun to see what's going on with her trying to help you escape. Absolutely. So, yeah. I look forward to hearing the other ones as well. So we're hoping that this is going to be yes. one of one of many. Um, totally. So I believe... Uh, Howell and Fedra are currently working their way through uh, Alone Against the Tide. Mm. Um, so I look forward to hearing that as well. Is this the first one that was published? I have yeah. a feeling it might have been. Yeah, it's in the starter set, um, which I know because I bought it for my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it's also free on Calcium's website as well. So it's, it's, I think it's the first one they did. And because it proved popular enough, I'm guessing, um, a few others Mm. were released. And actually, one of the recent ones is a Miskatonic repository one. I think Alone Against the Tide is a a repository. um, Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's it's somebody publishing under 
under the repository. I, th- I think I'm right in saying that. Well, I mean, this seems as good a place as any to tie up, I guess. I think so. Any last thoughts? Uh, I, I would encourage everybody to give this a go. I think whether you're totally new or whether you've been playing Call of Cthulhu for a long time, definitely try it out. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you very much for running it for me, Noxicals. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for being Bill Putnam. Well, hey, and I didn't <laughs> get burned to death in a giant wicker man. <laughs> that's, that's always good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the evening could have gone worse, I think. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this little uh, experiment with a slightly different type of game. Uh, and if you'd be interested to hear us play something a bit more traditional, uh, then please do try out one of our earlier campaigns. Or why not subscribe and hang on for our next long-form game, which should be starting in just a few weeks. But until then, I've always wanted to say this. <laughs> Farewell, dear listeners, until the stars are right again. <laughs>